0: Um, so we'll get started, and then any other questions that there are, I'll leave them till the end. I'm only going to take maybe ten or fifteen minutes or something to talk about um, form ten verbs. So if you weren't here, uh, last lesson, which was yesterday, which we did live here, I did a little introduction to what form ten verbs are, and they're upon the pattern ale. So um, we call that form ten. They always begin with this ista bit of the middle, and generally verbs that are in that kind of form. They carry with it a certain meaning. Usually it's to do with seeking something or to consider something a certain way. So I gave the examples, um, like with the verb nasara, um, which means to help. The verb istansara would be to seek help. Now, that's an example of one of these verbs which means to seek something. Or it can be to consider something a certain way, right? So we have like the word ba'id, which means far. The verb istabaada means to consider something to be far away from you. So, um, so that's what these form verbs are and the kind of meanings that they usually carry. In the previous lesson, we gave five other examples that were really useful. Ones from the Qur'an, verbs like um, istakhara, verbs like istad'ama, verbs like istaslama. Um, and there are a couple of others too that you can go back and watch as well. We gave some examples from the Qur'an for each of them too. So today we're going to do another five. So the first one is the verb istiana. The, the word aun in and of itself just means help, right? But um, istiana means to seek help. And we use this um, in Surah Al-Fatiha actually, where we say, na'budu Nasterinu. Right, we have this verb in the present tense. When we say nastainu, we are seeking help. You know, we have اياك before it, which is the sort of um sort of the from you, the word from you when we're speaking directly to Allah. Nasterinu, we, we seek help. From you we seek help. It's kind of the way that we would literally translate it. Yeah, um and, and another thing to bear in mind as well with these hollow verbs, even in the form 10, is that when we put them in their mustard. And we have isti'ana, we need to put a tatmar on the end. That's only applicable for hollow verbs, though. So um, with the verb isti'ana, yasta'inu, the mustard, or the noun for seeking help, is isti'anatun. Right, we'll have a tatmar on the end. And it would be the same as well with the verb we did yesterday, um, with the verb um, isti'khara, yasta'khiru, isti'kharatun. When you do solatul isti'khara, then there would need to be a tatmar and a a kasra on the end, because... In that case it's um in that case it's mudaf and مضاف it's um it's the salat the of the seeking the good right salatul istikharati cool so that's um the verb um istaana to seek the aun to seek the help from something so the next one is another hollow verb actually is the verb istaqama istaqama which um if we think of, okay, so the, the, the root word, the the, the the most simple form of that verb, obviously, in the form one would just be a which means to stand up. Um, and the present tense is Um yeah, to stand up or to get up or to you know, rise or something like that. But um, if you do istiqama yastaqimu it's to do with becoming straight, right? It's to kind of seek uprightness, right? It's to do with being being straight. And even like, I remember being at the gym in Palestine and they would call the flat bench. They call it mustaqim. if something's flat or straight, or even like the bar, like in, in a gym you'll have like a straight barbell or you'll have like the easy bar which you can hold at a different grip. And they call it mustaqim as well, they use, even use it for that, or if you lay the bench press to be flat, they'll call it mustaqim as well. But um, we use that in Surah Al-Fatiha as well, um, when we say إِهْدِنَ al الْمُسْتَقِيمُ We use mustaqim to mean the straight, to mean the straight sirat, the, the straight path. So actually just in Surah Al-Fatiha, we have two examples of these um Form 10 verbs. When we have إياك or وإياك نستعين. So we have نستعين in there, which has ن at the beginning because we're saying we. And uh, with the word مستقيم, uh, that would be the, um you know, it's the اسم فاعل. It's the active participle. We're describing the surat, which is why we get that word. We get the word مستقيم. Uh, the next example is... Um, it isn't one of these verbs to seek something, it's a, it's a verb to consider something a certain way. So, um, we have this adjective in Arabic which is غني, which you use for if, if someone's wealthy, then they are غني. You could say like الراجل Ar-rajul-ghani- الغني, ar- the, the wealthy man, for example, right? But there's also a verb استغنى, in the present tense it would be يستغنى. But استغنى, um, it's a final week verb actually, we did one yesterday as well. I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, it was um, إستسقى, wasn't it what we did yesterday? إستسقى, to seek the rain or to seek water, yastaski. But then today we have istagna yastagni. So, if ghani means wealthy, what is um, what is istagna? It's to consider oneself wealthy or to consider oneself like self sufficient, right? If you're a ghani, you're not in need of provision from any others, right? There's um, there's an error, I believe, in Surah Abasa. Amma man is as for the one who, استغنى, As for the one who considers themselves self-sufficient. And um, that's in, that's an ayah in Surah Abasa, I believe. But um someone put it in the comments if if, if if I'm wrong. But I think off the top of my head, that's an ayah from Surah Abasa. Cool, the next one is another um verb which I only actually I actually can think of one example of where it's used in the Qur'an. And um, it's the verb ista'nasa, ista'nasa, and it's only used in the present tense, in the منصوب, in the Qur'an that I know of, um, where um, it's in Surah An-Nur, um, where Allah says لا تدخلوا بيوتا غير بيوتكم حتى tastatnisu do not enter la Do not enter homes غير بُيُوتِكُم other than your own homes, other than your homes. Hatta until you تستنسو, right? After Hatta, the verb afterwards has to be um has to be what we call monsub, which is just a a certain case in Arabic. And uh, you know, words being monsob, it often means they have a fatah. On the end right it often means that like in the singular when we use it hence like the, the in the in the hadith where the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says Right? like n- n- none of you has believed until yuhibba. we're not saying until he loves right we're saying because it's after hatta so that this is a hadith where um, where the messenger is saying none of you has believed until you love for your brother what you love for yourself but where he says until in, until you love or until he loves rather had your hibba and we have the same thing going on here with the verb iste'nese. because it's in the present tense and it's in the plural because we're saying testatnisuna is what it would normally be testatnisuna but um the entom, conjugation of the verb the you plural masculine is one of the five verbs where we do have for so we, we cut off the nun we say that's how we know that it's um we know that it's mansub until you have announced yourselves you know like that's that's probably a fine translation for it here for our purposes wa ala until you have made yourself known and you have and you have greeted the people as in the people of the house, right, that's like an etiquette of the Muslims, that we should, we shouldn't enter anybody else's houses, until we've made ourselves known, and we've done سلمة, we've greeted the people of the house, right, you know, which is interesting, like a lot of us from like, you know, you know, for, from Muslim communities and stuff, we think that's kind of a given, but um like growing up in my culture, like growing up in Cornwall, like even though we're, we're still English and stuff, like Cornwall, generally we have, like, a very relaxed lifestyle, like, especially if you live in, like, a village, like I do, like, everyone knows each other. And, like, often people in a lot of villages in Cornwall don't even lock their houses at night and stuff. Like, you might go out and go shopping and not even lock your house because why would you like everyone just trusts each other so much and like like throughout my whole like almost my whole childhood certainly my whole teen years when we were living in cornwall growing up there. like sometimes my dad and i would go out to the beach or whatever we'd go out as a family and we'd leave the house open and we'd come back and there'd be like someone in the kitchen just making a cup of tea like just waiting for us like they'd come to come speak to my dad or something we hadn't been there just let themselves in and just, just made themselves a cup of tea we sit at the table they would be like all right so i'm doing a cuppa when we'd come in, and we, we thought that was completely normal, right? But that's not, like, the etiquette of a, of a believer, right? Like, you know, the, the, the believers should afford each other a, a, a level of, like, privacy in their own homes. So, um, so anyway, like, you know, in, in kind of more relaxed cultures and stuff, that is actually something that would need to be taught, whereas sometimes we kind of take that for granted. Like, I, I know with my in-laws, like, that my, my in-laws are Somalis, like, you, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't have people just let themselves in your house, and like just making tea in your kitchen or whatever, <laughs> like you know. So, so there are there are cultures where that isn't a given. Cool. Uh Next one is um we, we could have actually started this whole series with this verb, actually, Um with the verb Istaghfara. Istaghfara, this is a verb that most of us have probably used today already. I may have even used it in this live stream already. I don't know Um, because we use it so commonly. Istaghfara. So there is a verb ghafara. We usually say ghafara le to forgive someone. Um, and the actual noun is magfira. Magfira means forgiveness. But when you seek forgiveness, you do istighfarah. Excuse me. So the verb istighfarah, present tense yistighfiro. Um, and then the noun is istighfar, meaning meaning like yeah, seeking forgiveness. It's a little bit different to repentance. And um, repentance is is like tawbah right? There's a bit of a difference between seeking forgiveness and doing repentance. You can seek forgiveness. Is a bit like saying you're sorry, but doing tawbah and repentance is, is kind of changing and making amends for it. Um, so there's a slight difference in the meaning between those two things. But um, yeah, istaghfarah means to seek forgiveness. So when we say astaghfirullah, is people often like reduce that to saying stuffra and things like that. Yeah, people say stuffra, but that's that's not really what's going on in the language. It's it's astaghfirullah. You know, we're saying, astaghfiru. We're using this in the present tense and with the ana. astaghfiru, I seek forgiveness, Allah. Right? And we, we don't, in, in English, we need to say from, right? We need to say, I seek forgiveness from Allah. So we would expect Allah to have a kasra at the end, from like an English mind, because we'd expect it to be min before it. But Arabic doesn't need to do that. The, the verb istaghfara means to seek forgiveness from. We don't need the word min from to add on to it at the end. You you just do astagh. So you just say Astaghfirullah. You don't need to say you, you you just say Astaghfirullah. So um so that's what we're saying, right? When we say Astaghfirullah, we're saying I seek forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's um I mean Allah uses that many times in the Quran, even in the imperative. Um, oh, there's an ayah now actually. I believe it's from Surah Hud. Um, but it, certainly from it might be from sort of but i think it's from sort of anyway very early in that um in that surah um where allah says um wa anistaghfiru rabbakum like s- seek forgiveness from your lord wa anistaghfiru rabbakum thumma tubu ilayhi yumat'akum mata'an hasanan ila ajalin musamma that's what it is so wa anistaghfiru rabbakum and and seek forgiveness from your lord thumma tubu ilayhi and then and then make repentance to him, and then turn back to him. Your He will he will give you a mater. You know, maybe he'll give you like, a, like a, an, an enjoyment of this world. Um yeah, a, a good mater. Um, Until an appointed term. Cool. Cool. So um yeah, so that's the ayah. It's in Surah maybe ayah through three or four or something. It's right at the beginning of the sort um, is that the sort of that begins كتابُ أحكام تعاليتُه ثم فصِلَتْ من حكيمٍ خبير That's number three. That's it. Sorry, I was blanking on that for a minute. So in this particular video, we've um, we've gone over a few different examples of, um, yeah, of form 10 verbs. Or verbs upon the istefa'ala pattern. I promised that we would do that. On the Arabic in 60 steps program, I believe we do that in step 29. I'll check the workbook though, actually, just to double check that. So, this is the workbook, by the way, for the Arabic in 60 steps program. Um, I've shown you, I'm sure I've shown you guys that many, many times on this program. But, um, cool, let's have a look. So... Yeah, it's actually step 30. So when students do form 10 verbs, we actually cover step we actually cover forms uh, 7, 8, and 10 in step 30. So that's halfway through the program. And um, we do the verb istaghfara, istana, and we do the verb istakibara as well, which we covered in the previous lesson as well. So those are some of the verbs from the vocab list um, for that particular step as well. Cool. Okay, congratulations, guys. We've done 10 form 10 verbs over the last two days. Let's do some questions together, inshallah. So... Let me see what we can do. Right, I'm going to go up a little bit. I've got loads of hearts. May Allah bless you guys. (laughs) Jazakum Allah khairan for being here. (laughs) Wa alaykum as-salam ayyub ali. May Allah bless you. Um, Good, yeah. Okay, so um, we've got a question from our, our brother from Pakistan, actually, from Keshe, from not not from um, from uh, Karachi. That's it. So, um, uh, when someone visits your channel for the first time, how should they start? Please give some orientation. Good. It seems like a little bit of a hodgepodge, doesn't it, of what we're doing? I mean, what I actually recommend that you do, if you if you want to like be involved in the stuff that I do, you can just get like. Like, I've got a free course that I give out. It's called The Best of Stories. So, like, if you're a real beginner, but you know the script. Well, actually, even if you don't know the script, because we've got a free course on the script as well. So you'll get all of that for free anyway. Um, Let me think about where you should go to get that. Um, I'll put a link in the description at some point, inshallah. Um, Yeah. um, Well, we'll sort that out. But, um, I mean, if you're just on this YouTube channel, though, maybe go to just one of the series. Um... You know, I suppose here on the YouTube channel, we don't have everything like structured because that's that's what we do actually in the courses that we have. Um, drop me an email is what you should do. Drop me an email. Sam at Arabic 60 dot com. Drop me an email and say, yo, Sam, what have you got for me? And I'll send you some free stuff and we'll take it from there. Yeah, no, no, it's no problem at all. It doesn't annoy me. That question doesn't annoy me at all. Don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Um, and please give us your brief introduction too. Um, oh, yeah. And also, yeah. Do you like the video as well? Thank you for that comment. All of you should like the video. We should have more likes than viewers over there. We should have. We've got 12 likes, but nine viewers, 10 viewers. Everybody like the video, please. All of you go and do that. I've seen some other YouTube channels have like very, very big repercussions. For student, for people who don't like the video. Like, they'll show her horrible... Like, I, I, like, there are some YouTubers are like, get their foot out. And show it to the camera and stuff. They're like, you do not want this to happen. So, um... My light's ran out. The battery's dying. From a little ring light. Gutted. It keeps going off on its own. So, hopefully the lighting's not too bad. though have just got a window open. But yeah, it's already just fizzling out. But, uh, yeah. So we can't use that right now. I need to charge it. Um, Yeah, so anyway, guys, I'll I'll give you a brief introduction to myself for those of you guys who are new to the channel. Okay, bismillah. Okay, so my name's Sam. Nice to meet you guys. Um, So you can tell by the name Sam, I'm not an Arab, just a bog-standard white English dude. Um, I was born in Northampton, which is a little kind of working-class town here in the UK, and uh, moved to Cornwall when I was 11. If you've never heard of Cornwall, Cornwall is basically like a middle-class sort of package holiday. That's basically what it what it is like. If you want to imagine Cornwall, imagine white person's middle class holiday package. That's what it's like. Beaches, um, you know, hotels and stuff like it's a very kind of it's very touristy on the coast, certainly like where I grew up. And um, when I was about 17, I was studying world religions at college and I had this assignment where I had to listen to the Qur'an. Um one of our one of our one of the religions we had to study was Islam and we had an assignment that we had to listen to some verses of the Qur'an and write about how we might think it might make Muslims feel. And um and it changed my life. I was sat in my bedroom, um, looking over the countryside and put my headphones on and um and yeah, from from the minute I pressed play on some of these surahs of the Qur'an on it was on Qur'an Explorer, I think it was, um, I knew it was gonna change my life. Like I knew, I would probably spent the rest of my life learning and teaching this language. Like, obviously, like it had such a profound impact on me. Even though I'd, I'd never, like, I didn't understand a word of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was purely just from like the the, the melody of this language. Like, I knew it was powerful. and I knew it was something really special. So, um, so after that, um, I changed my plans of what I wanted to do. Like, I, I was on, I was on course to do to study Spanish at university. Um, you know, I'd applied to Oxford. Um. And um, yeah, my, my plan was to study Spanish at university. But I changed all of that. Um, I made my plan to to study Arabic instead, and I got accepted into a university in London to study Arabic and um, to start my Arabic degree when I was 18. And um, went to Egypt in my summers and studied in Cairo. And um, I spent a year in Palestine as well. I, I spent a year at al Najah University in Nablus. And um, yeah, I wrote a dissertation in Arabic at that university. Um, the, the title of my dissertation is Wasf al Nasara fi al Ibn The description of the Christians in the in the travel writings of Ibn Jubayr. That's what my dissertation was on. Um, and then came home in like 2014, final year. And I studied Somali at university as well. So I so you know I ended up graduating in Arabic, but also had done um, like university degree level so Somali language studies as well. Um, yeah. And then um, I got married um, straight out of university and then I got a job as a primary school teacher. So that was kind of where I I built kind of a more skills and more of an inclination towards teaching and sharing knowledge. And I was awful at my job. Um, I was a dreadful, dreadful primary school teacher, no, not because I was actually bad at teaching. Um, it, it's more that like being a school teacher here in the UK, there's a lot of admin, like I'd say. In my work day, teaching was only about a quarter of my time, which isn't really right, is it, as a teacher? But um, but also I just got married. And like, I, to be honest, I didn't I had other I wanted to do other things with my life. Like I also wanted to be teaching Arabic and I also wanted to be doing jujitsu and spending time with my wife and having a balanced life. Like I, the, the the things that demanded from me didn't really work out for me. So I, I left um, um, and out of that, the only thing I knew how to do was just to teach Arabic. So I started out my career just going to people's houses and teaching their kids Arabic, and um, it's just been a journey from there. Really, that was that's in sort of late 2005. No, no, that's early 2016. That is. So it's been from then up until now. You know, just over five years, where we've gone from, you know, driving around East London teaching people's kids little bits of Arabic to now where we have a, um, you know, a 30-hour enormous start to finish Arabic language course with the Arabic in 60 Steps program. And uh, we have a number of free courses as well. One, one, um, one called The Best of Stories, um, which was a course that I wrote after my first son was born, after Yusuf was born. And we also have the Arabic Script Bundle, which I wrote after my second um, child, Yunus, was born. And to um, so have some free courses. And um, then we've got this big the big program, the Arabic in 60 Steps program now. And now we're at a point we've had um, about 600 students now, alhamdulillah. So, so that's the journey in very broad strokes. That's uh that's how we've ended up here. Um Okay, where are we? How did your family react when you accepted Islam at such a young age? Um Well they they kind of put it to the back of their minds by brushing it off as that it would probably be a phase. Like uh, I have I've I've been a lot like that through most of my childhood. Like I'd get really enthusiastic about stuff and then develop new passions and and stuff like that. I think they just kind of thought Islam would be one of those. Um, but they're, they're still waiting. And it's been 10 years for it to not... And I've got married and got kids and stuff. <laughs> so, so yeah. But then then eventually, just over time, it just became a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know. You know. After two or three years or whatever, it's just... It's how it is now. Like, my whole adult life, I've been a Muslim now. Like, it's, it's so normal in our family and everything. Like... Um, yeah, and then also like my, like all of my siblings have matured as well. Like when I first embraced Islam, like my sister was twelve, she's a twelve-year-old girl. She's got a big brother who's become a Muslim, and she'd never met a Muslim in her life at that point. I'd never met a Muslim in my life. So you know I mean, like you can very easily grow up in Cornwall and have never met a Muslim in your life, very easily. So like, yeah, there was just sheer ignorance really from for, for, on, on all of our parts. Um... Yeah, but then, but like, obviously as I got older, like not only have I like, got married and had children and settled and stuff, like my, my siblings have also got older and become more mature and stuff too. Um, so yeah, the, 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 that's just some ramblings uh, about that. Um, what age did you accept Islam? I was 17. And I'm tw- I've just turned 28, so it's been just over 10 years now. So yeah. Um, are you interested in etymology? Oh, I love a bit of etymology. I love where words come from. Um, what are your thoughts on Old and Middle English? I'm completely ignorant on them. There's a really cool podcast, though, if you're interested in it, called um, The History of English. I've listened to a few episodes of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, maybe I yeah. So um, m- well, my email address for any of you guys who need it or want to inquire about courses and stuff is sam at arabicin60steps dot com, or just go for an arabic with sam at gmail.com. Either of those would be fine. Um, yeah, or DM me on Instagram if you're on Instagram, Arabic in sixty steps, or my personal one is sam Martin Burr at sam Martin Burr Yeah. How would you react if someone told you they believe that ancient Egyptians had spoken a language close to Arabic? Um, I would be pretty shocked by that, and I'd also like to interrogate them on what they mean by "close." Semitic, sure, I'd be fine with that. If you were to say it was Semitic, um, I mean Amharic is Semitic, and you know it doesn't seem like we don't we don't think about Amharic. and and Arabic as being close as such, but they are in the same language. Similar to, like, there are some languages that would really surprise you they are in the same language family as English, even. Like, I'm I'm learning Bangla at the moment. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. But, um, and, like, like, like Bangla is an Indo-European language. Think of that. Bangla is an Indo-European language. Like, it's, like, like Bangla is closer to English in terms of, like, its actual language family than, like, than what, than like Hebrew is, even though, even though the country is way further away, obviously, um, yeah, like the people who speak it are way further away, but in, linguistically it's closer, which is, um, yeah, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, just e- email me or anything like I'm Arabic in 60 steps on any platform. And you can email me, sam at arabicin60steps.com. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll leave in a second. Maybe I'll hang out for another five minutes. And then uh, then we'll go. And get on with our day, inshallah. Cool. Any other questions, just stick them in. Or anything else you want to chat about, let me know. Um, I'm not sure if we'll go live tomorrow. Um, we may wait until next week on Monday. But um, I'm going to try to make it a habit of going live at like 5.30pm UK time. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It works out really well because my son's at Madrasa from 5 to 7. So I can drop him off at Madrasa, get home. And uh, then we can go live for like half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever. So if we make that a bit of a routine, that'd be really good because... Um, We don't have much kind of structure here, actually, on the social media and on the content side. So it'd be good to have some structure. Uh, Is it hard to find halal food in the UK? It depends massively on where in the UK you are. In London? No. It's harder to find haram food in London. You're pushed to find food that's haram in London. (laughs) In in some places. But um, in in Cornwall, where I'm from, it's pretty hard. There's some good restaurants. If If you go to Cornwall on holiday ever, I highly recommend going to Central Grill. Um, in, in in Truro, which they do kebabs and Turkish food and meat and stuff, um, really good. It's run by brother Metin. May Allah bless that brother. He's a friend of mine. Um, he takes really really good care of um, you know of, um, of, of of people who go there, of the customers. And then I'd also recommend if you're into curry, then um, yeah, go to the New Taj in St Austell. I highly recommend that. It's run by Uncle Tipu. May Allah bless him. Um, yeah, those are two places I'd highly recommend if you want a hell of food in Cornwall. Okay, what else have we got? Which Arabic country speaks the most colloquial? By most colloquial, I'm just going to kind of interpret that as like the furthest away from standard Arabic, Morocco. They are unmatched in their distance from Fosha. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. We'll take it as it comes but i don't think i don't think our Moroccan brothers and sisters claim that their that their darija is close to fusha. um yeah i don't think they even claim it is like lo, lo, lots lots of arabs lots of arabs claim that their that their amiya is close to fusha but um And um, sometimes they're correct in many ways. Like sometimes they're, you know, their spoken dialect is very close in many ways, but sometimes it's just complete nonsense. But I don't, I've not heard Moroccans even try to have that conversation. Like in my experience, Moroccans have just been like, yeah, we speak Darija. Like (laughs) they're not even trying to convince you that they, that their Arabic is like Fosha. Yeah. And Algerians as well. Yeah. But not, it seems like when you get to Libya, it's all right though. Because like, I know loads of Libyans and their Arabic is, is really good. Um. Yeah, is Saudi closest? Not necessarily. You know, here's something that's interesting. Actually, thank you for asking that question, Nikki. By the way, because like that—that's that, brought up a really good point. Because sometimes it even varies within a country. You know, like like when I was in Palestine in Nablus, they speak Arabic a certain way, right? But like you don't need to go very far out into the villages where you find people who really corrupt, who really corrupt even that dialect, right? Like um, you know, something which you can you can spot a mile off of of their dialect being somewhat far away from Fus'ha is if, if they pronounce a ch sound. So like my wife, she grew up in, in Riyadh, right? And she says to her friends, like things like to her friends, Rather, rather than, rather than Akhbarak, rather than like Akhbarak, which is what it is. She'll say ch halich she says to her friends and, um, and when I was in Palestine, I, I went to a village, like, outside of the city, and someone said um, el chelib to me for a dog. So rather than chelib, he said chelib to me. So, like, you know, like that that's something that even though Palestine and, and, and Saudi Arabia aren't, like... It's not like their dialect is any, anything alike, but, um, yeah. Like, so sometimes even within one country, you can have as much, vari- much variety as you can between countries. Yeah, and sometimes, like... Uh, I don't know, our, our phrase books and the way we codify it give us the impression that there's like Egyptian that all Egyptians speak and there's like Syrian that all Syrians speak. But often the dialects can vary a lot within a country. And even because there's so much international travel now and stuff like, um, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, sometimes people even pick up like Egyptian as well. Like I remember going to the gym in Palestine and hearing people say azayek. Like, Zayek is as Egyptian as it gets, right? I think they're saying it as a joke. Like, they're, they were saying it deliberately to sound Egyptian, right? Like, it's kind of like how people in the UK might do an American accent as, like, a joke or something. Like, we'd do it horribly, obviously, but, like, I think it's kind of like that. But just the fact that they're aware of it, though, it just is kind of testament to how, um, you know, how much dialects can influence one another. Kalb means heart in (laughs) in Urdu Cool Well that's probably from the term Kalb In Arabic the word Kalb means a heart Um, What language is it that Dil means heart? Dil Dil or Dil Dil Means heart Might be Persian or something Yeah Cool I'd love to learn Urdu Okay Urdu and Hindi right Dil you know, like there's just bits of bits of Hindi and Urdu that always just come to me because at university I lived with a brother who would always have Bollywood music on, and I remember I remember this line, "Dilegalia" like or something like that, Maina um, intizar karke" or something like that, some some Hindi. I don't know what it means. Well, um, intizar karke," "Intizar" probably comes from time "Intizar," meaning waiting. Right? Intiavar is an in Arabic is, is Arabic as well. So intizar karke, Karki, I don't know what the karki bit at the end means. Um there's always bits in Urdu that I hear that sound really memorable. The the bit on the end of sentences that I've I've heard people say, in hai, that sounds really memorable to me. Does it mean like They can? Does it in hai? Maybe in Urdu. I'm not sure, but um yeah. Cool. All right. I think that's plenty, plenty of chat for today. I'll let you guys go and get on with the rest of your day. But thanks for hanging out today. It's been very beneficial. Um, yeah, cool. Don't forget to like the video, by the way. want to get the, We need to get the likes up. We always need to get the likes up and uh, any questions at all. You can email me Sam at Arabic 60 steps dot um, Yeah, or just comment underneath this video. Come and follow me on Instagram at Arabic in 60 steps. Um, Cool. All right, guys, we'll call it a day. May Allah bless you guys. Jazakum Allah wa And wa alaykum as salam to the Turks among us. And to Sheikh for coming to chat to me today. All right, guys, salamu alaykum.